BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Cross-court left to Banks, outside jumper Gene Banks, good. Oh, long one. Welcome to episode five of the Sound of Spurs podcast presented by Frost Bank. And we are very pleased to be joined by Gene Banks. Uh, he might not be a household name for you guys that haven't been paying attention to the Spurs for all these 50 years, but he's a household name to me because we grew up in the same neighborhood in Philadelphia. And uh, I've been knowing Gene Banks since he was a West Philly speed boy uh, back in the mid-70s. And uh, we'll talk about that for just a moment. But first of all, uh, Gene Banks coming our way from North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Sound of Spurs podcast. Well, it's a pleasure, especially for a place where I started my NBA career uh, under the legions of Stan Allback, the late Stan Allback. And uh, it was one of my times in my life, the four years being there was one of the greatest portions of my life that I will always remember. You've had an amazing life, Gene, in the, in the sport of basketball. And we want to start in Philly. Uh, and, of course, it's an easy place for me to start because that's where I came from, too. Uh, You're a Philly guy. The, You're a Philly guy. Yeah, yeah, no question about that. I was a West Catholic high. You were yep. a West Philly high about yep. two blocks away. Uh, we right. had a guy named Michael Brooks, yep. who you remember very well, the late Michael Brooks, who died uh, just a couple of years ago over in Switzerland because he stayed over there overseas when he coached. Lewis Lloyd was at Overbrook. Yep. Uh, you were at West Philly. Yep. Uh, you had a teammate named Clarence Tillman at West Philly. It was a yep. great player. Uh, there were good players all over the city. Uh, and growing up in that kind of environment, uh, just take us back through those times and how competitive it was on the streets of Philadelphia when you were earning your stripes. It's really interesting because basketball was really at a high level. And Philadelphia's always had some great, great players going back to Wayne Hightower to, uh, you know, you look at uh, Walt Hazard, who changed his name to a Muslim name afterwards, uh, Andre McCarter. And uh, I mean, there's a list of guys, uh, Fred Stokes, 
there's so many names of players. And I came up through that era. My dad played basketball a lot. And I didn't really like basketball starting out seven, eight years old. And uh, I used to go in a car with him when he went to different places and different spots in Diamond Street and Woodland Avenue. And and he played ball. He was he was very good. He was very good. Wasn't great, you know, like kind of thing. But and I was in the car and uh, didn't want to have anything to do with it. I was playing like I was evil Knievel or something, you know, that kind of thing. And then after he got finished playing with the guys out there, he would call me over and he was shooting. He would throw the ball at me. He'd give me a wedgie, trip me. So he made me learn how to love the game because I really didn't like it. And it was our time. Every time we went out, just hang with dad. And it wasn't like he was trying to teach me how to follow through anything. It was just me and him playing. And then he started putting me on teams with his team, uh, just just to put me on there with him. And he covered my back. And I was playing with the older guys. And that's what helped me with my game. I learned, as you know, when you in Philadelphia, you play in these pickup games. If your team loses, you're going to wait a while before your team gets back on that court. So uh, I had to learn how to play hard aggressive and uh that was my i think that was one of the biggest things of my uh, my career that made me because i knew i had to play hard all the time uh so that and when i played against my peers then you know i i had a little advantage against because i learned all the old tricks but went from there and uh you know I, i'm originally from south philadelphia originally uh i spent a lot of time with, we were born and raised in that area and, and uh, I even spent three years with my grandparents down there. Went to Landruff Elementary School, which is where Andre McCarter went, which is also, I'll put a shout out to Mr. Dan Baker, who was my fifth grade teacher, who is wow. now, who's been the, the voice of the Phillies and the Eagles for the last 20 something years. Public um, address announcer, yeah. Yep, he was one of these great guy. Um, and, you know, just playing there. Um, then I got bust, you know, I, went, I got bust. Uh, my mom and dad, uh, my mom and dad separated, uh, more or less. And, uh, my mom basically was remarried and to Walt Williams and Walt Williams is the first cousin of Sherman Hemsley from the Jeffersons. So we saw him a lot coming into the house, but my dad got a, my, my stepfather got a big raise. And that's when we moved from South Philly to West Philly. That's how I wound up in West Philadelphia. Uh, make a long story short. I went there, started playing basketball, playing for a little team called Clark Park. Uh, we played against a team called Sherwood Recreation. Sherwood Recreation Center was one of the known recreation centers, and they had a coach named James Flint. James Flint was the black Bobby Knight. <laughs> Everything that goes with Bobby Knight throwing chairs and all that, that's him. And you know his who his son is. His son is Bruiser Flint. Right. right. And, and uh, it's so interesting because even when I was at the, moving forward to West Philadelphia, Hi, Bruiser would be in my room. Uh, he stayed in my room uh, on the road trips, uh, uh, helped me fix my shoes and all that stuff. So there's a big history. So I go to West Philadelphia. And the thing about West Philadelphia, when I was with my dad at the time, I was living in John Bartram area, uh, the district in West Philadelphia. And that's where Kobe Bryant's father went, Joe Bryant. Joe, Jelly Bean uh, and Earl of Pearl. And Earl of Pearl went to John Bartram. So we had John Bartram, Overbrook, and West Philadelphia, mega power basketball and we were in the same conference on top of that um so i wound up going to west philadelphia i wasn't able to even go to west philadelphia the first two weeks they thought they were they thought the coach was uh recruiting which wasn't i, I just moved from my dad's back to my mom's i wanted to move back with my mom's my brother's sister and that's how i wound up in west philadelphia and played on a star-studded team uh my sophomore year we were 25 and 0 uh and on that team was tim smith who played at the university of pennsylvania when they went to the final four and, and all that. So he was my mentor along with uh, Wilbert Lorick and uh, Mike Collins and, um, and Calvin Goodwin. Uh, we, we, we had an 
unbelievable team coached by a, a great coach, Joe Goldenberg. Um, he steered me through it. And then they left. And then the following year comes in a great player who I had known since they've great Clarence Aggie Tillman. Uh, Clarence is known throughout South Philadelphia. He's got, he went to McDaniels Elementary School and make a long story short, they got awards. Sad to say, um, and I'm still dealing with this, uh, Clarence passed away last year. Uh, Aggie passed away. As we talked about Michael Brooks, who passed away, who, who and I became good friends, and we go back, and Lewis Lloyd. These three iconic high school players have all gone in the last, say, five or six years. Yeah, it's been tough. Uh, you had such a great career, West Philly. You could have gone anywhere. Uh, you got letters from every major college in the country. Uh, Bill Foster recruited you to go to Duke. And Bill Foster, of course, is from suburban Philadelphia, Delaware County guy. I got to know Bill Foster very well later when he was the basketball commissioner for the Big 12 Conference and the Southwest mm -hmm. Conference. Great basketball mind. What made you decide to go down to Tobacco Road uh, from Philly all the way down to uh, uh, Durham, North Carolina? And this is really the truth. It was really divine intervention. It really was. I mean, I was visiting all these schools and so forth. University of Penn was really top on the list. Uh, the pressure of staying home was 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 major, uh, but I didn't take that as a, a pressure situation. But I, I would have went to University of Penn hands down. The problem with the University of Penn was that the Ivy League did not allow freshmen to play varsity basketball. And it was like that. I, I remember I heard it was like that during the older times. I mean, Charlie Scott and Art Heyman, the Duke days in the 60s, all these guys, Lou Alcindor and UCLA, you weren't allowed to play varsity basketball. You had to play on a freshman team. Uh, I, I felt that I, if I was able to play varsity, why would I play on a freshman team? I know the, I know the season's a little bit less, but uh, I didn't. So that, that eliminated Pim. Villanova was in there with Raleigh. Raleigh thought he was going to get me to get there. But uh, then I went to visit UCLA and a uh, kid from the inner city going out to see the palm trees, going to Johnny Carson's show, going to going to the mansion of uh, Hugh Hefner. Uh-oh, <laughs> so, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, if they had the letter of intent that day, I would have signed it. I'm going to tell you right <laughs> now. It, it, it would have been really easy. Um, but the, what made the point was I came back I wasn't able to stay at home for a while because the recruiting was getting crazy. But uh, I came back, finally, my mom, I was still hiding out of my aunt's and my grandparents' house. But And I told him, I said, Mom, I really don't know where I want to go. All Every school is just as nice, is just as wonderful as the next school. So as I get ready to go into my, my room, my mom said, I want you to stay in this room and I want you to pray about it. That's what she said. She closed. I said, okay. So I, she closed the door and she locked my door. And I was like, my mom's never locked my door before. And this, it was one of those doors with the old skeleton key, that kind of thing. And I laid down and uh, I put my music on. I, you know, <laughs> I was a Barry White fan. Everybody cracks on me. I was a Barry White fan. Put the music on. I laid back. And I had saw a brochure of Duquesne University. Duquesne. That's where Norm Nixon went to school. In Pittsburgh. He, yep, in Pittsburgh. He had, a, he had a jersey on that had Dukes on it. But you didn't see that. It said Duke. So when, when I went to sleep, my mind was thinking of that picture of Norm Nixon and the Duke on it. And I fell asleep dreaming about wearing a Duke uniform. When I woke up the next morning, honestly, truly, I said, Mom, I know where I want to go. And my mom always taught us about visions and all that kind of stuff because I was raised in Pentecostal Church. And she said, that's going to help you. And I told her, she didn't ask me where I want to go. She said, let me call the school. She called the school. They said, don't bring him, don't let them come up here for another two or three hours. We want to get the media out. And uh, I just basically made that decision. 
it was some other things thrown in because I, I did like Bill Foster as well that goes on for But the, the major decision was I woke up and I said, this is where I want to go. When I go into the press conference, <laughs> I sit there. I didn't tell anybody. I told Julius Thompson, who was the writer for the Bulletin. I gave him the scoop earlier. He, he came over and did it. When I sat down, everybody was sitting there trying to figure out where I'm going. No one really knew. No one knew. I didn't tell anybody. And I said, uh, I want to take my my talents to Duke University. Everybody, they said, what the hell? <laughs> they said, does Duke even have a basketball team? They said, what right. the hell is a Duke University? Carolina was dominating them back then, right? Duke was in the last place for like three years in a row or something like that. And uh, I watched him a few times. They had the guy named Tate Armstrong, who was a golden boy there. And, and uh, Jaminski was a freshman and whatever. But I saw them, but I didn't really pay attention. But you sometimes you listen to your conscience and listen to your spirituality. And I did. Everything I dreamt about, honest and true, everything I dreamt about happened my freshman year. <laughs> and so I actually believed in, you know, I, I, I trust in God. And, and uh, he, he led me to... That that is, I said, I want to go to Duke and help make them a national power. And uh, it happened. You certainly did that. They made the championship uh, game uh, your freshman year. First year. And I, rem- and I remember, Gene, uh, cheering on you from afar because you were a Philly guy. And I, like a lot of people in Philly, wanted you to go to Villanova or Penn. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, you mentioned Penn and the Ivy League. They made the Final Four, as you mentioned, in 79 with uh, Tim Smith and those guys. Uh, uh, Tony Price, of course, from New York, was on that ball club. So uh, the Ivy League back then, and I grew up in the Palestra. Uh, and I know you played many games there or, or got a chance to watch many games there when you were a kid. Uh, and uh, that, that was just part of that great basketball tradition. So now you go to Duke. You have a great uh, college career. And uh, let's move on to the Spurs. You were the 28th pick. Well, hold, you got uh, you you to remember something. You got to remember one thing. We played Penn my freshman year to get to the Final Four. We, we had to beat them. And then we had to. And then we played Villanova the next night. This was divine intervention. It really was. And Penn was up on us by four points with the ball, with no shot clock. And they challenged Jaminski, and Jaminski made some big, and said, we beat them. Then we played Villanova, and we blew them out kind of early. So I just wanted to put that in, which was amazing, that turnaround of events. Right. And you had some excellent college teammates. And I I follow you on Facebook, Gene. I know you stay in touch with guys like uh, Jaminski. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Spernarkel and Kenny Denard and, and the guys that you played with at Duke. So that must have been a real special time for you in terms of your uh, maturity as a person and as a player. We were young kids. I mean, we were young kids. The thing is, uh, I think that uh, with Goldenberg's training, uh, the, the, the practices weren't hard at all for me because Goldenberg really trained us to be that way. The guys, Mike Jaminski, uh, amazing guy, 6'11", the aircraft carrier, Jim Spernarkel, Jersey guy. Uh, he's doing uh, NCAA games all the time now. Kenny Denard uh, and I became, uh, it was, it's, it's like a storybook story of the two of us uh, being connected. We're connected even to this very, very day. Um, and we were a bunch of young freshman kids, freshmen and sophomores with one senior. And we just had so much fun playing by. It was the same as being, leaving from West Philly, going to Duke. And Bill Foster was the architect, but Lou Getz, was also the main guy that knew how to handle Bill. Bill be all over the place, but uh, uh, <laughs> it was it was a great time for basketball, and we we captivated the whole not just the the state but the whole nation of us young kids blowing bubble gum, playing, having a good time. We didn't care. We we just it was basketball at its highest level of, of fun. And you guys put Duke on the basketball map, Gene. I don't yeah. think there's any question about that. Duke has been a powerhouse for a long time now. Yeah, I mean they they they, they talk about 
uh, Coach K now, and and I love Coach K, and I I had him for my senior year, which is the only thing I re, the re, I don't want to say I regret, but the sad part is that I didn't have I wish I had another year with him because I saw his growth, I saw the things, great motivator, a great teacher of basketball, fantastic person, awesome, awesome family man. That's the one thing I love about him more than anything else. You know, he he has his faults. I, we all know about perfect, but one thing you can't fault him on. His family. He loves his family. He loves basketball, and uh, and he went through some trial tribulations. So mm-hmm. he, he's the he's the the epitome of a man coming from out of the from the ground up. And he also said that to me and to Kenny Denard. He says the one thing that I have to say when I came in, I didn't know really how to coach elite players. So he was learning. He was adjusting. We were learning. We were adjusting. But uh, you know, Bill Foster was 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 unique. <laughs> he was he was whimsical. Silly, he had one-liners, and uh, that's what caught my eye with Bill Foster, and, and it just all connected. Now we come to the Alamo City, Gene. What was yes. it like uh, to get drafted by the Spurs uh, in 1981? The Spurs had already been in the NBA for a few years, uh, but you joined a pretty good roster with uh, the Iceman and Mike Mitchell, and Stan Albeck was your coach. Well, here's the thing. I was, I was projected going to top 10 of the draft. You got to remember my last game at Duke uh, in the NIT, I broke my wrist in half. I was, we were playing against North Carolina A&T, the first round of the NIT, which is what we were in under Coach K in uh, my senior year. And I went up to block a shot. My legs got cut and I snapped my, my uh, left wrist in half, my navicular ball. So now you got to remember, this is late in the time. The draft is going to be in four months. And I dropped down. You know, I went to visit the Lakers. I've been in Indiana. They saw me. I got my cast off just in time. But I dropped down to the 28th pick. And I was, believe me, I was sitting there and I was not angry. I was hurt. I was really hurt that I dropped. But it was probably the greatest thing for me in my career ever to get drafted by the 28th pick uh, with the Spurs. You know, they, they said, you know, we got a first round pick in the second round, pretty much. I was the first pick in the second round with them. And I came to a team that was established. Uh, you had the Bruce Brothers, uh, which was uh, Kevin Rastani, Dave Corzine, Paul Griffin. Uh, man. Oberding, right? Mark Oberding was one of those guys? Oberding was there that one year that they traded him the following year. I got a situation where I had veteran players teaching me the game. I was coming off the bench. Stan was yelling at me all the time. But uh, I knew I had to earn my, my stripes. But to be on a team, and then here's the, the topper. I'm with the greatest, one of the greatest players in basketball, George Iceman Gervin. Um, couldn't have had a better, better, better experience in my life starting out. And then the following year, as you all know, the spot opened up and uh, we got Artis Gilmore. We traded for Mike Mitchell. And uh, here we go, me and Mike Mitchell bookends. But but having Artis Gilmore uh, balance things out, and that helped us to the point where uh, my game, I can play defense, I can bang with strength, but I get out on a break uh, and I and my IQ is pretty good and my field goal percentage. So Griffin and uh, Ristani were ahead of me in, the, in, the, in that power position to get that spot, but I beat him out. I'm not saying I beat him out, but Stan looked at me and says, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take my chances on you. And uh, that's what happened. You know, if you really look back on the Spurs history during that time, you have to remember that there were some top teams. Philadelphia was was good. Boston was good. Um, but we Houston were in Rockets. That, yeah. Houston Rockets. But we were in that we were in that classification of the top five best teams in the NBA. People don't talk about we'd get knocked out by the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals back to back two years. 
you got to look at that and say, hey, you know, the Spurs were were serious and we were exciting. We sold out games because of Iceman and the, the the Hemisphere Arena was, I mean, I, I played the Cameron Indoor Stadium, which was electric with Duke, but the Hemisphere Arena was totally different than any other league, uh, any other arena in the, in the NBA. You know, everybody had this, but the fans, the baseline bombs, you know, they were, they, they still entrenched in my, in, in my spirit and they got me fired up. Um, this is just a great time to go somewhere when you feel that it was not a good thing, but it was a great thing for me. We had Captain Late on the podcast, James Silas, a few weeks ago, and he's still good friends with Dr. J, Julius Irving. And he says that of all his friends who played on other teams, uh, Julius really disliked the baseline bums, Gene. <laughs> they created kind of an atmosphere that opposing players did not like. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 were, they, were, they were intense. You know, they were intense, and, and they give Kareem a hard time all the time. And uh, it's really interesting that uh, it, it was tough to beat us at our place. Was it an adjustment for you moving to San Antonio? Um, now, you, of course, had spent some time in the south of Duke, uh, but uh, that's always an adjustment when you move to a new city. I moved from Philadelphia to, to the south to go to Duke, so it was. Uh, I was looking forward to uh, a new adventure, uh, a new place. Uh, I've always liked to learn things, and uh, uh, it was, for me, to go where I went to, to San Antonio, it was a different Hispanic type of feel, culture. The way the weather was different, so I, no, it, the, the adjustment didn't hurt me at all. As a matter of fact, I just, I just thrived on it. This is the 50th anniversary, Gene, of the Spurs, and of course, that's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast. Uh, when you take yourself out of the equation and the few years that you spent in San Antonio, uh, what do you think the legacy of the Spurs franchise is in the NBA? Uh, one of the, you know, coming from the studio NBA, uh, one of the top, uh, the history from the ABA, which is, which is great. Uh, that's something that no one can take away from anything. And, uh, with the, you know, the colored ball and, and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, uh, the excitement of basketball. And then it carried on later on, uh, Popovich comes in with his, uh, his, his geniusness and, and keeping it going. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard to say it's Boston, New York, Philadelphia, your established elite teams, as you know, but San Antonio's in that, you know, it's in that thing, Detroit. It's, it's it's in the top, but San Antonio has to be in that top five of the most established organizations in NBA basketball for a lot of reasons. And I'm glad to be a part of that tradition. You sure are. Did you follow that uh, team when Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker were doing their thing? Oh, most definitely. I mean, I, I followed the Spurs all the time and uh, got a chance. On, I knew Tim, didn't know him, but I saw him when he was at Wake Forest. Ginobili, I saw when he was a junior in Argentina. I watched wow. him when he, yep, I saw him because I played in Argentina for two years. So I saw him as he came up and watched him play. And Tony Parker uh, was always gracious to me. So um, it was really interesting that you, you, it was hard not to follow the Spurs. It was hard not to. So uh, they were a part of me, even though I got traded later on. But uh, they were, you know, Angelo DeRosos and, uh, and, and and Bob Bass and just going on Lawrence Payne, just people in the, minute, the administration that I had a great relationship with. And, uh, uh, and I did a lot of stuff in the community. So it, it's part of my life. Yeah. I like Lawrence Payne. He hired me 22 years ago, Gene. So I, I've got that Lawrence Payne connection as well. Hey, you went to Italy. You mentioned Argentina. I think you played in Israel for a while. So you're one of the few guys back at that time to go overseas. And of course, Iceman was on with us. Matt Bonner was on with us. Uh, they played overseas as well. Uh, what was that experience like and how did it maybe uh, change you, maybe mature you a little bit in terms of your global knowledge? 
Well, it, it changed me a lot to the fact that, you know, I, I, I had ruptured my Achilles tendon when I was with the Bulls and uh, it was up in Philadelphia. And uh, strangely enough, I, I never thought my career was over, but it was just something new for me to deal with. But uh, I go and her Rudor, who was my agent, uh, an artist's agent, he put an artist and myself together to go play in Italy. Uh, we played in Bologna. Uh, it was a that experience it rained a lot and uh, i was just still coming back from my uh my ruptured achilles uh and which was really interesting i was i did try to get back into the league uh i went with the before the charlotte hornets was just bill getting up mm -hmm. and the thing was that uh that was one of the situations in the clippers as well but the being able to have that experience going overseas was amazing to the fact that my my baby girl, my oldest girl daughter, got a chance to start at school there. Um, and then I went, I played in Italy, then I played in Paris, France for a year, and then I wound up playing in Israel for four years. And to be able to have that cultural expansion uh, in my life, it, I got part of it coming to San Antonio, you know, with the Hispanic uh, 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 culture. But then I went there and I got the Italian culture, I went there, got the French culture, I went to Israel, got the Israeli and Palestinian culture, and then I went to Argentina. People would give a, their left arm to have the experience that I've had when it came to that. It's not about your highlight reel. It's about reaching new heights each and every day. It's not about if you sit in the nosebleeds or courtside. It's about showing up. Hey, good game, 25. You too, man. It's not about wins. It's about winning over others by treating them right. It's about more than money. Frost, the official bank of the San Antonio Spurs. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. 
You've had an amazing life in basketball, Gene, not only as a player, but uh, I remember interviewing you one time as you were an assistant coach with the Washington Wizards back around 2010, around there somewhere. But uh, you've also been a scout. Uh, you're an assistant athletic director now, I believe. You're a special <laughs> assistant to one of the presidents there at, I, at the college. I've been a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, something's always happening with me, and I, and I got to give God the praise because, you know, I've had some I've had some great moments, but I've had some strategic uh, tragedy situation. My, you know, my wife passed away uh, back in the, Isabel, who was there in San Antonio. Uh, she passed away, had a son pass away as well. A lot of people don't know about those stories because I kept them to myself because I had to deal with them. So we've had some trials and tribulations and my mother-in-law just passed away last year and she was the anchor to help me raise the girls. And uh, we've had some highs and some lows, but you know, for some reason, uh, you know, the girls kept me on an, on the right path, doing the right things, not doing something stupid, you know, <laughs> so because I had to do the right thing. And it was all about making sure that I did right by them and, and keep doing. And um, that was a great thing. And, and keeping my faith. I mean, I, I haven't been strong in my faith, but, but I love God deeply because he's always been he's always been there for me. I, I, I'm just going to say that Jehovah God has been amazing where he's always been there to help me and been there to protect me and, 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 and lift me up when things were, I mean, we, there were some rough, rough, rough moments that people never even know about, but my faith stayed strong. I didn't get angry. I didn't get bitter. I just had to move on because the girls I had to do right because I'm a father and girls need their dads. And now you're giving to others, Gene. And um, if you could give us a little background on the Gene Banks Foundation and the types of work that you're doing. Well, the Gene Banks Foundation, and, and thanks for that, and I'm not saying that because he's here. Mike Harden has helped put that whole thing together. It's really just going out, helping things uh, in the communities, and not just in one place in Greensboro, but Philadelphia. I did it in Canada. We we were able to, to, to send like 20-something kids to Canada from the foundation, uh, some scholarships. We helped some kids, uh, especially with uh, in Philadelphia, they had some cerebral palsy situations. I'm revamping the, the foundation uh, now because uh, I did it really by myself uh, a lot, but now I'm going to get a, a group behind it and make it really stronger and bigger because we want to deal with some situations where there are a lot of kids that are homeless. Uh, the kids now are walling out, and they need to be... Uh, you got to keep them busy. That's the one thing you got to keep them busy. And it's not just about sports. Sports is just a vehicle to to keep them busy, but to try to get them to learn something about socialism and and about their learning how to deal with their credit. There's a lot of stuff. And so the foundation reaches out. I mean, if, even when I was in San Antonio, I started the Gene Banks League down there uh, and on the east side. And it brought uh, Hispanics and African-Americans together. And uh, Rick Lozano, remember Rick Lozano? Sure, I remember uh, Rick. Yeah. He, he and I are good friends. He was great in, in promoting it. And, and, and Henry Cisneros gave me a beautiful, beautiful proclamation. So the foundation is there for the needs of the young people, especially now. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going on. Kids are killing each other and so forth and so on. But uh, and we got to get these you got to get a young black kids to stop shooting other young black kids. So there's a there's a monument of things going forward that the foundation has been really good, but it's going to be bigger and stronger. And we're going to reach out to every area, not just Greensboro and Philadelphia. Gene, we're looking forward to so much, uh, so much to you uh, coming into the San Antonio area, maybe make a game this year. Is that right? We I've already talked to with scheduled for February the 3rd and uh, awesome. hopefully that. Hopefully that India, India will be, that's where she's born. That's, that's the, the, the thing that we're going to try to do for her as a surprise. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Gene Banks. Uh, episode five, Sp- Sound of Spurs podcast, presented by Frost Bank. I followed you for a long, long time. I remember you when you were a fifteen-year-old kid at West Philly High, <laughs> and, uh, and and here we are in the full circle. But uh, Gene, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's very important to have a guy like you on this podcast because. This really brings back a lot of memories for a lot of Spurs fans through the years. And I know a lot of fans have very, very fond memories of uh, seeing you wear number 20 for the Spurs. Well, I just want to say that that, that, that that was a part of my life that was so special. And and, and they really engulfed the city and everybody there. And it, it embraced me. And uh, I still have a, a special place in my heart for San Antonio. I, I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. People that I know, please. Let me, I want to see you when, when that happens. And uh, I, I, I'm, I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps. Looking forward to it. We look forward to seeing you, Gene. Thanks very much. That's Gene Banks, Episode 5, Sound of Spurs Podcast, presented by Frost Bank. I'm Bill Schoening. So long, everybody. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Kohler at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.